Welcome, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to another episode of So Loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this podcast is finding you well and rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have reason to rejoice because he is alive and he has all authority and power given to him in heaven and on earth. And as I've been preaching for the last two podcasts or three, we have nothing to fear today. We have nothing to worry about We can cast all of our concerns upon him. He cares for us deeply. And today we can be confident in what we have in Christ Jesus. And what we have in Christ Jesus is fellowship. Fellowship with the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are a part of the family of God. And we should praise him today. And we do, God, we praise you today. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy to us. And I just want to come before you, God, and pray that you would be in this time. God, I just pray that you would empower us all with your Holy Spirit to continue to fight the good fight of faith, to continue to endure and to press on and to not let go of you, Lord God, till we receive that great blessing of being in your presence again. Lord, sometimes we feel that we are not in your presence, and really it's not a matter of being in your presence again. We are always in your presence, but God, I just pray that you would lift us up and just give us reprieve when we need reprieve from the things that we suffer in this world. Whether they be small or great, they still affect us, and we need you, God. So we just come before you, humbling ourselves And knowing that you are our God, we believe in you. And we just thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Before I get started, uh, the passage I'm going to look at today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 18. 12 through 19, excuse me. But before I get started, I want to share with you a song. This is Palm Sunday when I'm going to release this podcast. So I'm going to share a song, um, hopefully to edify you and to inspire worship in you.
Wonderfully written song conveys the message of Christ Jesus being alive. Our Redeemer lives. We can be assured in our hearts before Him today, even though we cannot see Him or hear Him. He has chosen to, in some ways, hide from us so that we might walk by faith and not by sight. We are truly blessed to be his disciples in this world, to be his representatives, showing the light of God in love. And so we should not lose heart. If you have lost heart, if your heart is burdened today, I want to encourage you to Remember that your Redeemer lives. Your Redeemer lives inside of you. And though you are bound at the moment in this corruptible flesh, you are dying day by day. You live with Christ even now. You are created in Christ Jesus new. And that is all because he lives. And so in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, we are going to go over these passages. And hopefully the Spirit of God will empower me to convey a message of hope, of truth, of conviction. I pray that his spirit would lead us in this time. And so, starting at verse 12, I'm going to go ahead and read these passages from 12 all the way to 19. This is Paul the Apostle speaking to the Corinthians. There was a church in Corinth. And this is him speaking to the church in Corinth. The first century letter, we read in verse 12, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. 
Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. So in the summary of the Christian tradition, um, these verses stress the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ is central to the gospel, the good news. Paul says if Christ is preached, that he rose to preach Christ is to preach the resurrection. We cannot separate the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was not enough that Christ just died on the cross and shed his precious blood for us. If there was no activation with the life of God the Father in Jesus Christ, him being able to take up his life again and rise from the dead, thus conquering both sin and death, if that did not occur, that activation of life in the body of Jesus Christ after he was crucified, then there would be no salvation. There would be no justification for us. Because that means Jesus Christ would have been like any other person who saw corruption after death. But Jesus Christ did not see corruption. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And not only did he rise from the dead, he received power and authority on high to accomplish the mission of the Father which is to bring salvation, everlasting life to all who will call upon him in the name of Jesus Christ. He goes on to inquire how, in the light of that, it is possible to deny the resurrection. In light of the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the gospel, Paul inquires, in light of that, how it is possible to deny the resurrection. Saying, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? It is central to our faith in Christ that he is alive. Otherwise, our faith is empty. The resurrection is key to our life, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Paul proceeds to show the consequences of holding that dead men don't rise. If dead men in general are not raised, then not even Christ Jesus has been raised, which makes our faith vain. That means Jesus died and never took up his life again and is not conscious, is not living is not living in us if he is not living at all. 
Paul is reasoning that since Christ was genuinely human and that he died a human death, if men are not raised, then neither is he raised from the dead. If in fact Jesus Christ was human, we know that Jesus was both human and God simultaneously throughout his life in this world. I personally believe, and I believe this is backed up with scripture, and many theologians would back this up, that Jesus Christ maintained his deity while here on earth, but took upon himself the form of a servant, humbled himself, learned obedience by what he had suffered all the way to the cross, and allowed himself to be taken, abused, and crucified. He suffered all of the temptations that we suffer as human beings, yet, and this is important, without sin. If Christ is not raised, our preaching is useless. Now, if Christ is preached, this is verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Why would men preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with such conviction if it was not true, if they did not believe it? Some would say, who do not believe, that they are deceived, that they are following an empty religion, an empty faith that has no basis that has no foundation, that has no life in it. But with all that I am as a Christian, I believe. I believe in God. I believe in God as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe in God's power to forgive sins. I believe God in God's power to save. I believe in God's power to heal. I believe in God's power to restore. I believe in God's power to unite. I believe that God's Holy Spirit is among us here in this world. The Holy Spirit is in those who trust in Jesus Christ. That great comforter, is with us and reminds us that our Redeemer lives, that he is not dead. He has conquered sin and death for us, and we too have everlasting life. We too will be raised as he was raised and be glorified with him. And it is because of what he did on the cross being delivered for our offenses, but yet raised again for our justification. And I'll get to that in a moment. It is because of that work that we have eternal life, that we have that assurance that we have eternal life in Christ, that we have a place 
with him in the heavens, and that this is not all there is. This world is not all there is. My brothers and sisters, we have so much to look forward to. Our light affliction, the Bible says, our light affliction is but for a moment. It is a light affliction, even if we were tormented in our souls for the rest of our days, even if our health was waning to the point where we were suffering greatly in our flesh, that light affliction is but for a moment in comparison with all eternity that we will have with Christ. The Bible likens it to a woman who gives birth. And I love the illustration of a woman who gives birth, has great pains while she is in labor, but once she gives birth to a child, all the pain that she suffered while giving birth is gone because she now sees what she had worked for and suffered the pain for all along. And Jesus knew this, his whole ministry. Jesus, his, I believe, most likely when he became conscious as a child and, and grew into adolescence and then into manhood, understood this from start to finish. Jesus was working towards something greater. And he, I believe, did not fear death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying, let this cup pass from me. I don't believe that it was in fearing death because many times Jesus makes mention of his purpose on earth. He was walking towards death. He understood what sacrifice he was going to make on the cross. He understood the implications of suffering, of rejection by his own people. He went willingly to the cross. No doubt in being in the flesh, went to the cross with great expectation for that which was to come afterwards. What I believe Jesus was hard-pressed in, what pressed hard on him, was the weight of sin that he had to carry. He knew that he had to carry the weight of the sins of all the world. He understood human relationship and the complexity of human relationship and how mankind is prone to contentions and strifes and envying, violence, sexual immorality, the worship of other gods that are no gods. Jesus understood this from the foundation of the world because he was from the beginning, he knew what was in man all along. And yet he still went to the cross to die for us. So if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Our living for Christ Jesus in this world is empty. Preaching does not only come from the mouth. It comes from our lives. How we live in this world before men and women and children reflect Jesus Christ and his great love, reflects 
our belief that Jesus Christ is indeed alive and he offers salvation that changes people. We preach with how we live day by day. And woe unto us if we do not preach the gospel. Just because you are not a gifted speaker does not mean you are exempt from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with the way you live your life, with the way you center your attitude around your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm guilty of not centering my attitude around Jesus Christ and him crucified quite often. Quite often I get sidetracked by what life throws at me. But then it's by the Holy Spirit of God that I am reminded that I have a Savior in the heavens who loves me, who has great things for me in the future, but who also expects me in the present time to do his work faithfully. And he requires that you do his work faithfully and that you do not excuse yourselves from the work of Jesus Christ because you are having a bad day, because you are feeling guilty of a sin that you've committed, that you are restrained by to come before the throne of grace and confess that sin and be done with it and then move on in the work of Jesus Christ. You may not be a gifted speaker. You may not feel like you have any gift at all to contribute to the work of Christ, but that is a lie. If not coming from Satan himself, it is coming from the depths of your inner being, your insecurities in your mind, telling yourself that you are not good enough. When Jesus Christ has made you good enough to represent him, all you need to do is take up the cross and follow him. Because our Redeemer lives. That is our faith in him. And so in 15, he says, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. He's being sarcastic here. In refuting those who say there is no resurrection of the dead, he is, he is being here sarcastic in saying, well, we are found false witnesses of God then. If we are testifying that Jesus Christ is risen and he is not, then if he did not raise, then we are false witnesses. So he is confirming that if Christ did not rise again, our preaching is empty and our faith is empty. And yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. In verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. The word that we have been given is not empty. It is full of life. 
The word that we have in the form of the Bible is not empty. There is life that flows from it because it is the very word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is in us, who inspires our understanding. When God is able to feed us, He is able to give us that which he, he knows we need day by day. We can have faith and rest in Him day by day, knowing that He is going to supply everything that we need to continue on in this world, having faith that our Redeemer lives. Jesus Christ is still working in us and for us, supplying everything that we need when we have faith and trust in Him, then we are doing that which is acceptable in His sight. He desires for us to have faith in Him and trust in Him. And that means when you feel like you have nothing, you can look to Him and know that you have everything. When you feel like the future is bleak with no hope for a, another paycheck, maybe, you can look to God and be assured in your hearts that he knows everything about you. He knows your situation, past, present, and future, and he is able to take care of you. And we'll take care of you. What God requires of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that you take up the cross daily, follow him, and continue in the work that we are here in this world to do. And that is to represent Jesus Christ well. And the way we represent Jesus Christ well is first to proclaim that Jesus Christ is indeed risen, that he is alive, and that our faith is not empty, and that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ will not be empty of his Holy Spirit, of his guidance, of his provision, that those who seek him will find him. And that is the blessedness of our Lord and Savior, is that there is absolute power behind what he has told us in his word. What the Holy Spirit has inspired in the Bible, there is power behind it for us. It's not empty words spoken to us. When we rely on God's word, we know that we have those promises to us and God will make good on his promises. He always backs up what he says with action. That is what gives us hope, knowing that Jesus Christ indeed has risen from the dead, that our Redeemer does live, but that he actually puts actions behind what he has told us. So when he says, seek the Lord, when the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, 
You can be assured that when you seek the Lord, he will be found of you. When you call upon him, he will be near. Moving on in verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This is a key phrase here. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, listen to this. And this, I already quoted this once, but this comes from Romans chapter 4, verse 25. This is talking about Jesus Christ, who was delivered up because of our offenses. That means he was delivered up to death, delivered to die on the cross as we would die physically. He was delivered up for our offenses, that's our sins, and was raised because of our justification. It was not enough that Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his precious blood. As I said before, there needed to be the activation of life in that death, in order to conquer sin and death completely, Jesus had to raise from the dead, had to take up his life again by the power of the life of the Holy Father in heaven, by the Holy Spirit of God. And he did that. He was delivered up because of our offenses. He knew that we had sin. And death, decay, and that in order to give us life, he had to take up his life again after death. And he did, and so justified us, justified us. What that verse is saying in Romans chapter 4, verse 25 is that it was not enough only for him to die, that there had to be that risen life offered to us as well. Not only the death, the blood of Jesus Christ upon us to save our sins, like on the doorposts in Egypt when death passed by and saw the blood on the doorpost, it would pass them by, not taking their lives from them. They were safe inside. Inside was life. Death could not enter into that life because that which was on the doorpost, the blood, signifying the blood of Jesus Christ on the life of the believer, could not pass that point. And that is the importance of the death of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed upon the cross, is that it guards the entrance into our lives, into the very life that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. There is no one, physical or spiritual, that can take that life away from us because the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross is spiritually upon us. It is visibly seen by all the spiritual beings. When you walk into a room full of demons, they immediately identify the blood of Jesus Christ upon you. They know it's there. 
And they might be able to attack you. They may be able to throw arrows at you that are flaming fires of whatever it takes form of fear, doubt, lust. They can do all these things to try and trip up your faith, to make you confused in living for God, but they cannot take your life. They cannot hinder the path that God has set for you. There is no one able to pluck us from out of God's hands. I just think about Romans chapter 8. In verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Justifies because Jesus Christ is risen again. Not because he's dead only, but that he took up his life again after he died, conquering sin and death, and was able to give us life and justify us in the sight of God the Father. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns. These are our enemies, those roaring lions seeking us to devour us. We know that Satan individually is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he will not devour us, Christians. There is nothing that he can do to us because we have the blood of Christ upon us. He can try and confuse us. He could try and lead us to despair. But oh, that we would trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. And have confidence that he is going to direct our ways. Who is he who condemns? This is Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It is Christ who died. Listen to this closely. It is Christ who died. But he doesn't stop there. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? If Christ only died and did not rise from the dead, he would not be able to make intercession for us. He would not be seated at the right hand of God having all power and authority given to him in heaven and on earth. He makes intercession for us because he is living, not because he is dead. Our faith is not empty. Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one shall separate us from the love of Christ. And that love is genuine. That love is real because that love comes from someone who is living and not dead. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? No. Or persecution? No. Or famine? Never. Or nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 
Now listen closely to this, my brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God the Father, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our faith is going to be made sight And we can believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. That those many, many witnesses who saw him alive after his crucifixion were not crazy. Thousands of people saw Jesus Christ. And out of all those thousands, you will never convince me that they were all crazy. They saw him. And it pours out in the epistles, in all the writings of those who actually witnessed all of these things. Peter, John, James, Jude, Paul the Apostle. All these men who actually witnessed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had hope in their lives, and they suffered in the flesh. They had trials of their faith. But as I've said before, the trials of their faith are over. Their faith has been made sight, and they are no longer being tried in their faith in this world. They have finished the race that was set before them, and they have received their reward. And so, too, when we endure in this world, we will see God's Glory. We will see God's handiwork in all of these things that are going on around us. We will see his plan unfold before us because we trust in the living Savior. And continuing on, after he says, You are still in your sins. If Christ is not risen, our faith is futile. If Christ is not risen, In verse 18, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That means Paul the Apostle, Peter, John, Jude, the remaining disciples, all those thousands of people who claim to have seen Christ alive after his resurrection have perished. They they were still in their sins and died in their sins. And this is one of my favorite verses here in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. If in this life only we have hope in Christ and there is no backing to that hope, if there is no power behind the word of God, and that is what we believe in, God's word to us, telling us that he is the living God. He is the God of the living and not the dead. If in this life we have hope only in Christ, in this world, then we are of all men the most pitiable. 
Think about it. We have suffered in this world the pains of temptations of sin that war in our members, the temptations of the flesh that are so strong against us, we resist them. We do not do the things that other men do. We do not gratify the flesh as other people do. We do not seek for money or success, and even when we do, we are convicted by it. Why are we convicted by it? Because the Holy Spirit convicts us and shows us that it is not good for us. Listen to this in chapter 4 of 1 Peter. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Why would Peter say these things if he did not believe that his hope was sealed, that his hope was solid in Christ, that there was power behind his hope, that there was life behind his hope? Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh before he died and when he was dying, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. This is important because this is our belief statement. But for the will of God implies that we believe that God is living and not dead. So we are living a righteous life in Christ, resisting the world's temptations so that we might live a life pleasing to God who is alive. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. This he is saying, they think we are crazy. They think we have hope in something empty that will not be made manifest to us, that our reward is nothing but dust and ashes. But we know it's not true, and they knew it's not true, the apostles. They will give an account to him who is living. This is verse 5 of chapter 4 of 1 Peter. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. And I wasn't going to go on, but I have to. In verse seven, he says, this is Peter. He witnessed the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here in his old age, ready to depart from the world. He is encouraging us as Christians to keep the faith. Listen to this. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So there is his exhortation to us to continue on living for the living Savior, Jesus Christ in this world. And to do so by loving one another, manifesting his love in our hearts for one another. Paul 
believed that Jesus Christ, his Savior, was alive. And we, in the present time, must believe the same. Take up your cross, follow your living and righteous Savior, Jesus. And do not excuse yourself anymore from the work that is set before you here on this earth. For the time is at hand, the day is dawning, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is returning shortly. Lift up your heads. Let your hearts be lifted up by the Holy Spirit of God and share with me in the fellowship Share with me as your brother in the fellowship of Jesus Christ and the work that is set before us here. Let us go out among the people of this world and share the hope that we have in our living Savior. Let us be, be united together in Christ Jesus, the bond of perfection, the bond of peace, and let us shine the light so brightly that people cannot help but see it. I want to go into now prayer. And then I'm going to, if you want to pause this, at this point would be the good time to pause it. I'm going to have communion with you, or at least read this scripture. I'll give you a moment to pause this and come back with some bread or maybe some grape juice. If you would like to do this, you may. If not, you can do this with your family on your own. But I'm going to do it here now. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That's Paul the Apostle speaking of the risen Lord. He received this from the hand of Christ, from the very mouth of Jesus Christ, after Jesus had risen, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. <laughs> 